Welcome to Our Way Rules Podcast. I'm your host, Aliza, and I have to be honest, this podcast was born out of a selfish interest to learn more from other women about how they ended up where they are today, both personally and professionally. At Our Way Rules, we believe that when women share their stories about their own success, loud and proud, other women will have the opportunity to tap into that power and up-level their own life and career. That's why each week you can expect to hear from different women across different stages of their life and career, from different industries and different backgrounds, all with the purpose of bringing a little inspiration, light, and energy to your life. Because today, we as women are living our lives larger than we ever have before in every way possible. We no longer want to follow the rules that were laid out for us in the past. We want to live our lives and chase our dreams our way. And let's be honest, our way rules. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Our Way Rules Podcast. I'm Aliza, your host, and today I am so excited to be here with my friend, Julia. Julia and I actually were, the other day, I was actually giving her a haircut, which is how this whole thing came up. Um, I never really talked to her much about how she got to where she is today and her career. And we just sort of started talking about it. And honestly, she was one of the inspirations behind me wanting to start this podcast in the first place, because it was just so cool and eye opening to hear more about her story. And I figured that if she has this amazing story, and other friends of mine have amazing stories to tell that, why not have a conversation about it and share the stories with everyone. So to share a little bit more about Julia, Julia Axelbaum is a registered dietitian, board certified in obesity and weight management. She's the director of clinical nutrition at Form Health, a telehealth obesity medicine startup where she was hired as the first employee. Julia studied nutrition and public health at New York University and completed her clinical training at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, a Harvard Medical School hospital in Boston. Prior to joining Forum Health, Julia was the program coordinator for a bariatric center in St. Louis, where she worked one-on-one with weight loss surgery patients and developed the center's first non-surgical medical weight loss clinic. She sits on the board of Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, uh, weight management practice group, and has her certificate of training in obesity interventions and has published several research paper in the field of obesity. In 2022, Julia received the prestigious Weight Management Excellence in Emerging Practice Award through the AND. Julia is passionate about expanding access to obesity treatment and increasing awareness of obesity as a complex medical condition rather than a result of lack of willpower. Her expertise lies in helping patients learn how to take control of emotional eating, develop a more balanced mindset, and improve their relationship with food. So Julia, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. you. I'm so excited to be here. And I'm so glad that you gave me that haircut. I have to say, audience, Aliza did a great job. (laughs) And she followed a TikTok video and I got lots of compliments. So there's a whole nother opportunity for you career-wise there. (laughs) Yeah, That's so funny. And you know what? Funny enough, I actually gave myself the same haircut about two days ago. So you know, I'm if anyone needs a haircut, just holler because I, you know, I'm a jack of all trades over here, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> it's all about the side gigs. <laughs> exactly. Well, Julia, I'm so excited to talk to you today all about dietitian life and yeah. startup life and how you got to where you are today. So why don't we start by just going all the way back 
I would love to learn a little bit more about your childhood, how you grew up. Um, yeah, so let's start there. Sure. I am originally from Great Neck, New York, on Long Island. Thinking about kind of how my childhood shaped me to become a dietitian and, and to get where I am today, my parents always encouraged us to do the things that we loved. My mom had done a ton of traveling in the past. She always encouraged me and my siblings to travel the world, even from much younger ages than most of my friends. I remember in high school, I was already road tripping through Europe, couch surfing on you know different people's couches in South America. People thought I was insane, but my mom always um, really pushed and, and stressed sort of like, like explore, meet new people, see new things, do the things in life that excite you. Mm -hmm. uh, and she really encouraged us to go to whatever college we wanted, to study whatever we were passionate about. There was never kind of this focus on choosing a career that made the most money, which mm -hmm. is good and bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think that actually was a big part of what led me to choose nutrition because I thought it was something that sounded cool and fun and something that I would really enjoy doing every day. So uh, fast forward to high school. In high school, I think it was our junior year, they had all of us do an internship to start kind of getting exposed to different fields and careers and see what we liked. And a friend of mine was telling me about a dietitian who she was going to work with. And this dietitian actually did a lot of glamorous TV interviews. She wrote books. She wrote articles for Cosmopolitan magazine. It just seemed like fun. And I always liked the idea of food and healthy eating. I didn't know at the time that you could make a career out of it. Uh, but the dietitian, her name was Bonnie Taub Dix, and she at the time was actually co-writing a cookbook with a, a pretty famous kosher um, author, uh, cookbook author, Susie Fishbein. She has a whole line of very popular kosher cookbooks called Kosher by Design. And so at the time, the two of them were working on a book uh, called Kosher by, Desi by Design Light Lightens Up. And the whole book was focusing on making uh, recipes healthier and, and, you know, cooking simple, healthy dishes. A lot of the Jewish traditional foods are much more indulgent. So I helped work on that cookbook and I helped Bonnie prep for these different TV appearances that she had. Uh, so it was so much fun. It was all the things I loved. It was very clear from that internship how much she loved it. And I felt like this is something I could see myself doing. It was something that I, you know, could see myself wanting to show up for work, you know, to work for every day. It was a mission I really believed in, helping people get healthier. Uh, and so I think that was sort of the start of me thinking about this as a career. I love that. And it's so, it's so great when I talk to other people who come from like a background where your parents were so supportive and so like encouraging of doing what you were excited about and what you wanted to do. And I have like very similar stories with, <laughs> like, I remember going home to my parents being like, I'm going to be a doctor. And they're like, is that really like what you think you're going to be excited about and good at? And, um, but yeah, definitely that like yeah. encouragement around like going out and seeing the world and trying new things. And, um, that's amazing that they, that they were able to like show up for you in that way. I'm curious to hear a little bit more though about the internship and like how, like what the transition was like. Or if there was like a moment when you realized like, okay, this is really what I'm excited about, but like, maybe it's not going to sort of take shape in this like glamorous way that you might have like been exposed to during the internship. Yeah. It's so funny that, that you're saying that because I think uh, when I was, when I was thinking about where to apply for college, I had 
heard that Mary Kate and Ashley went to NYU. I think I heard that Blair Waldorf, a made up character on Gossip Girl, went to NYU. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what? Like, I, I want to be like them. So I was very naive. Um, I think in a good way, but I was just going after something that seemed fun and light and maybe even easy. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I think I didn't realize at the time that, and I think many people don't realize it still, that a nutrition degree is actually really intense. It's partially on the pre-med track for part of the degree where you take courses like chemistry, organic chemistry, biochemistry, human physiology, because you're really trying to gain this deeper understanding of how food gets metabolized in the body, how it affects our health. And then you also take classes on counseling behavior change. And then the third bucket of, of courses that you take is in food science. Those are kind of fun because those are it, it, they're cooking classes. So it's like, you'll have a lecture in the kitchen. Yeah. And then you're tested on how flaky your pie dough comes out. Or I remember we had, um, part of our final was having to go around smelling different spices and identifying, writing down on your paper, which spice it was that you were smelling. What? <laughs> That's wild. It wasn't easy. Um, I mean, that part was a little bit more lighthearted, but yeah, there's a lot of science and I don't think I knew I, don't, I didn't know, know that when I first decided to start NYU, you know, to study nutrition. I didn't even know what a registered dietitian was or what it took to become one. So wow. once you complete your training, once you have your degree in nutrition, you then actually have to go on to complete a whole year of clinical training in a hospital setting. So this is like similar to what you think of as doctors doing their residency. It's very competitive. Wow. You get placed somewhere. You don't get to choose um, oh, and wow. you rotate through different, um, you, you complete different rotations in cardiology and oncology and kidney disease. And you're learning how to basically use nutrition to help manage these different disease states. Oh. Uh, but then even after that, then you have to complete this big national exam. Even after once you complete the exam, you have to keep up continuing education credits every year. And beyond that, you can also choose to further specialize, which is, is what I did in obesity. But yeah, it's not it's not easy. I'm very thankful that I was a little bit naive at the time because it, it worked out, but it's it's a long road for sure. Wow, I had I actually did not realize that. And I it's funny you say that it's like it's sort of the pre-med track because as you're starting to talk about like about this career, I'm like, oh that that could have totally been something that I would have done. But then I literally did one semester of pre-chem my freshman year and got like a C plus, like barely passed. Yeah, so the worst. <laughs> but I, I am curious because I feel like this isn't actually something that's talked about a lot. Like, would you mind explaining then, because it sounds to me like the more you're talking about it, the more there are differences between a registered dietitian and a nutritionist. Sure. Yes. This is a question that a lot of people have. And again, I don't even think I knew it before becoming a registered dietitian. So registered dietitian, RD, that's the legal credential term for that. You know, someone went through all of the training to become a, you know, a professional in this space. The mm -hmm. term nutritionist, while there are many very good nutritionists in the world, it doesn't tell you anything about their background or training. It's kind of like the same way that anyone can call themselves a health coach, right? Maybe it means you went to a prestigious health coach, you know, uh, training for years, or maybe it means you did a, you know, a two hour course online, like you just don't know. So in order to uh, work anything somewhat clinical, like in a hospital or any sort of medical setting, you need to have your RD credentials, you need to be a registered dietitian. Interesting. Yeah, I had no idea. So then I guess, talk, talk me through like how you ended up deciding to specialize on obesity and weight management. 
Sure. Yeah. So I, I I was already in NYU. I was already studying nutrition at this time. But during my senior year, my last year at NYU, my dad actually got diagnosed with end stage renal failure. So his kidneys had stopped working after years of having high blood pressure and poorly controlled blood sugars. It was really scary. He had to go on dialysis for a while, which is basically a machine that takes your blood out, cleans the blood, removes the toxins, and puts the blood back into your body, kind of like acting as the kidneys, but through a machine. Um, And part of that was that he was put on a very strict diet where he had to limit certain minerals like potassium and phosphorus. Those are minerals that normally your kidney helps get rid of. But without a properly functioning kidney, those levels can really build up if you're eating too much of them through your diet. Mm -hmm. So I, at the time, was going through nutrition training. And so I worked with him and we worked really hard to come up with a diet that was not going to give him too much of these minerals that would have been dangerous for him. And I just remember at the time feeling like it was so cool to see the power that food had on his health and on, you know, our bodies, the, the way that diet made such a difference in his lab results and in the function of his kidney, you know, of course, diet is not the only thing. Of course he had to, you know, he actually ended up having to get a new kidney, but the fact that food has that power, I think seeing that was kind of this big moment for me, realizing that I wanted to work more on the medical side of nutrition, helping people maximize their nutrition in order to improve their health and to treat disease. And this part of nutrition, it's called MNT, medical nutrition therapy. Wow. What an amazing story. I feel like, I feel like there's that, it sounds to me, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds to me like that was very much like a transformative experience for you, where like you had this very close connection to, to the actual, like, um, patients, like the people who you could see yourself helping in the future that made you think to yourself, like, wow, if this works for me and my dad, like how many other people could benefit from doing something like this? Is that, is that hundred percent? Yeah. And during the, the clinical training year, it's called your dietetic internship. I was mentioning you rotate through all these different uh, floors in the hospital and you're, you're exposed to lots of different disease states and, you know, lots of different ways to treat people using nutrition What was very hard for me, and actually most of the dietetic internship was pretty hard for me because a lot of the work that typical dietitians in a hospital do are you're really not developing a relationship with patients because you're often sort of like going into the room, counseling them, and then then they get discharged the next day. And you never know what happened to them. You never know if what you said helped or made a difference. Um, And and actually in the hospital, dietitians do a lot of tube feeding and, um, and, uh, basically nutrition that goes through a vein for like, if a patient can't eat, like their stomach doesn't work, they'll say they got into a car accident and they can't uh, take in food the normal way. Then you're giving food either through an IV or, or through a tube down the throat. And so this is, this is also very, um, people don't understand this about dietitians, but most dietitians, if they're working in a hospital, what they're actually doing is They're in a room behind the scenes deciding what exactly goes into those tubes. So it's a lot of science, a lot of math. It's like, you know, 200 grams of glucose and, you know, 50 grams of amino acids. So it's very technical and you don't really get that um, like human contact. That was sort of the reason why I loved nutrition and I went into it. And so one of the rotations that year was in bariatric surgery, which Mm -hmm. is patients going in for weight loss surgery 
These are patients who have struggled with obesity their entire lives. It's not like, you know, a person just wanting to lose five, 10 pounds to fit into their bikini. Um, It's it's people really making the choice to go through this big surgery, this life-changing surgery in order to to change their lives. And it's a big enough deal to them that they are willing to do it in order to make a difference in their health. Mm -hmm. And so what I loved about this rotation is that you got to really develop relationships with patients that you worked with. You, you know, met with them before the surgery for months, oftentimes, even just to qualify for the surgery, the insurance companies want to see that a patient is serious about this, that they'll work with a dietitian for six months and, and see some success before they even will approve the surgery. So you work with them for a long time before the surgery. And then after the surgery, immediately postoperatively, you're working with them on very strict um, dietary guidelines, you know, what they can eat and all that. And then you continue with them, you know, for the rest of their lives. These are surgeries that affect them forever. So I, when I did that rotation, it just spoke to me so much because I felt like I really get to be a part of their lives. I really get to sort of like practice those skills of helping someone stay motivated and helping with behavior change, like all the things that I really loved about nutrition. Wow. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like sometimes it can, and I feel like a lot of people have this experience in their career where there's just like it's not linear. It's not like you're, you start and you have this idea and you just end up there. It's like you start and maybe you have like a directional understanding and then you like making your way towards there and then something happens and you sort of pivot. And, and it almost sounds like that might've been a moment for you during that training where you had that exposure that was maybe the first time you were really exposed to like, Oh, this could be it. And then you just sort of like, took that as like a pinnacle moment and just start like started on your track from that moment into what was next for you, which was like actually developing this like deeper understanding and training on obesity and weight management. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. A hundred percent. So when I, when I finished my clinical training, I, I knew what I liked. I knew what I was looking for. And so I was, again, I think in a good way, I was picky. I was going, I wasn't going to settle for something that I didn't enjoy. That's not why I went into this career and so mm-hmm. I specifically was seeking out a, a bariatric center. Um, and when I found that at the time we were living in St. Louis, um, you know, what's what's kind of crazy looking back at, at this experience is it felt like a dream job. And then when they made me the job offer, they were paying so little money. I think it was $38,000 for an oh. I went through all this training, you know, to tons and tons of, you know, thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars spent at NYU. And then the, you know, the clinical training, like tons of training. And then it was $38,000, but it also was exactly what I wanted. Um, And so I had to sort of decide like what I should do with that. But in the end, I I sort of came to the realization of it was a way to get my foot in the door. Um, Thankfully, we were living in St. Louis, which was very affordable. You can live off that amount of money. And I would start getting experience in this specific niche that I really liked within nutrition. Um, And actually, during the interview process, I I basically convinced them that they needed to start a non-surgical medical program at their center. So they they were doing a great job with surgeries, but medical weight loss, which is treating obesity and and weight loss with medicine and lifestyle intervention, not not just with surgery, that is something that, um, it it was a very new field at the time. Even now it's still like pretty new actually, but it was becoming bigger and bigger, more and more popular. So I basically talked to them about if you hire me, I'll help start this program here. Um, And it's a way to really broaden the patients that we can attract because then we're not just accepting patients who are getting surgery, but any 
people wanting to lose weight and improve their health in general. Wow. So they loved the idea. Um, they were looking to grow. And so that's what I did. That's kind of how it all got started, where they gave me um, an office to turn into a medical weight loss clinic. There was like a little, it was sort of like two rooms. There was like a waiting area with chairs. And then there was like a check-in area. And then you go behind the desk and there's like a little room, which is like the doctor's office, if you can imagine. Amazing. So <laughs> I literally painted the walls. I went, I drove to Goodwill. I bought plants and furniture and decorations. Um, I connected with primary care physicians to talk about referring patients to us. I worked with a, um, a, like a supplement company to um, start selling protein shakes and protein bars and things like that. So it was like I had to, I had to, and and we'll get to what I'm doing now. It's sort of the same thing, but I kind of had to do it all in the beginning. But it was very popular. Uh, weight loss medication, like I mentioned, was very new, and patients were very interested in it. Uh, and, and what's cool also to think about that is a few months after I joined, the hospital actually went through mass layoffs and it was, there were two dietitians and the other dietitian who had been there actually much longer than I had ended up getting laid off because mm. they realized that I had this extra value that, you wow. know, that I was adding with the program that they were making money from. And so that was just a cool moment, like feeling like, you know, I, I was able to sort of like prove my worth being there. Sure. Wow. Okay. So I have so many thoughts right now. I <laughs> brought a pen and paper, honestly. Okay. Very interested about, and I'll touch on this really quickly, actually. Now, I think that what you're sharing is so smart and so such a good point for anyone who's listening to, um, to really think about like, what is that value that you add and how can you um, bring, bring something to the table that that a company literally can't do without you, right? Like it's such, mm. it's such good insurance for yourself, right? Mm -hmm. To make sure that, that if there are layoffs and especially right now, it's something that's being talked about a lot. Like if, yes. if companies are having to make really tough decisions of who to let go, like what can you do to put yourself in a position where the company literally can't, can't move forward without you. So that's such, yeah. that's such good insight and like so smart of you, what you did. And, and even to take it a step back, I would, I think it would be really helpful to hear if you, if like what, I guess, tactically, right? Like if somebody is listening and has an idea and wants to bring it to the table, um, like what, what are some tips or like, how did you go about actually like putting your thought to paper and then putting that, that idea and like what's on paper to actually execute? What did that look like? Yeah. I, I mean, I was brand new to it. Um, I didn't exactly know what I was doing. I think something I reminded myself of both with this experience and with my current job, which I'll talk more about, is that the people who were hiring me weren't dietitians. The people who were hiring me were business people, entrepreneurs, or you know, directors of the center. Um, they needed my expertise, you know, in order to make it happen. And I, I think like really honing in on that piece that as much as maybe I have imposter syndrome, as much as I feel like I'm totally faking it, pretending like I know how to start a program when I've never right. done this in my life, like they, they know much less than I do in this, right, you know, right. this way. So I don't know. I think, I think for me, that was a big one. Just, you know, not sort of like talking back to my own brain of like, I'm not faking it. The thing that I'm saying that I know how to do, I actually do know how to do a lot more than them. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people suffer from imposter syndrome, especially when you're early in your career. It's 
it's so easy to get caught up in your own head being like, am I qualified for this? Like, I've never done this before. Like, why did they even hire me? Like, what am I even doing here? I've definitely felt that before. Um, But I guess like to just to dig in a little deeper, like when, when you obviously you didn't just like say the idea, and then they said, Yeah, go for it. Like what what happened between sharing the idea and then actually being able to execute on it? Yes, I did a lot of research. Um, I I mean, I spent hours and hours just researching to, you know, try to <laughs> figure everything out. I came up with a plan, I typed up the whole plan, I, um, you know, would meet with my boss and would share it with her. Um, she was very supportive, thankfully. And I think that also makes a big difference. And uh, she and both my current boss were very willing to sort of let me experiment and see what worked and see what didn't work. Um, and I, I asked a lot of questions, honestly. I, you know, I, w- I mentioned that I was buying in, in bulk protein shakes and protein bars from, you know, some wholesale company. And I had to learn a lot about sort of how that all worked and how I remember in the beginning, like I, I was terrible at keeping inventory because this isn't my skill set, you know, <laughs> but I, I just had to ask questions, listen to podcasts, you know, do research. And I was there for four years. And, you know, it, I, I remember in the beginning, like when we had four patients, I was so excited when we had 12 patients, I was so excited and things really uh, evolved with time. Like I just got better at it with time and saw what people liked and saw what they didn't like. And same, you know, same thing with the startup that I'm at now, like it just took practice and, uh, you know, making mistakes and then improving them. Yeah, absolutely. I think something you touched on makes is like so important to remember, like asking all the questions, never feeling like you need to know all the answers. Um, And then also just celebrating those small wins. I mean, you just said like, you were so excited when you had four people, then 12 people, then like this whole program that you developed. I think that it's, it's so easy to lose sight of like uh, the small wins when you have big goals and big dreams in mind that like those first four, that first person, right? The first four, the first 12, like just being able to look inside of yourself and say like, wow, I'm, I'm doing this right now. Like that's, that's awesome. And it's probably what was able, whether you saw it at the time or not, like that probably was what was able to sort of keep your momentum going and keep you excited about what you were building. Yes, a hundred percent. The my boss at the time, every every Monday, she ran a meeting where we would all um, bring bring funnels of basically we had to calculate like how many patients you know we reach out to, how many signed up, and then how many joins. And mm. it was such a business way to think of things that I had no experience in. Um, and I started basically wanting to sort of like compete with myself and wanting to also as a people pleaser, like wanting to have good numbers to present at the meeting. And so yeah. as the week was going on and I'm filling in my funnel sheet, seeing where I'm up to, it also motivated me to want to, you know, do better and better so that I could present these numbers that seem like I'm doing a good job. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay. So to transition a little bit, to talk a little bit more about what you're up to now, um, one of the stories I remember as I was cutting your hair was you sharing just you sharing like me being very impressed with how you actually went about landing your job at form health. And I think, um, for, for people who are out there listening, um, I think it would be really like, there's a lot of people who are curious about startups who are working at startups who want to get more involved in startups, maybe want to build their own company and start hiring employees. Mm -hmm. So I guess like we, let's start by it. If you can just walk us through like how you made that transition from working in the weight loss um, center to doing what you're doing at four or just to getting in the door at four. Yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. So, so the first, the first center that I was working at in St. Louis, I mentioned that they paid really badly. Um, I, I, but I figured, okay, it was worth it because I was going to get this opportunity to, you know, get my foot in the door, start this program, get the experience. They also ended up after about a year or two promoting me to be the program coordinator there. Um, and I also was able to get them to pay for my board certification in obesity care. So because I had all of that experience, that actually led me to being able to get this, this current job. And so I think just, just sort of taking a step back, like, I am so thankful that I took that job for $38,000 because it gave me the opportunity and, and it sort of set me up for this job that I'm at now, which I, I feel so thankful for. So we, okay, so we were living in St. Louis at the time. My husband was just finishing medical school and matched into a residency program in Boston. So I, I after building this whole program and things going great, then all of a sudden we were moving. And so when I started looking for jobs in Boston, I just didn't know what I would want to do because I had just been doing this really creative job using my skills for four years where I couldn't imagine, like, how do you go on Indeed, you know, and type type something <laughs> in, right, that matches that. I feel like a lot of people struggle with that, especially oh if you work in like a more niche role or, and I, oh. I find myself doing this too. It's like, where do you even start? Who do you even go to? What do you do? So, okay, keep going. Yes, that's exactly how I felt. So I was, I was looking for a while on Indeed, just really feeling discouraged, feeling like whatever I go to next is going to be a step down. And I, I ended up deciding um, to try a different strategy. So I paid for the LinkedIn premium service for a month where then you're able to message people directly. And I basically looked up all of the big hospitals with weight management centers in Boston. Mm -hmm. And I found the directors of those centers and I messaged them and I said who I am and my background and that I have built medical weight loss centers. And this is something that the field is growing so much. And is this something you'd be interested in? I'd love, you know, I'd love to do the same for you. And obviously most people did not answer, <laughs> but, <laughs> and, and I attached my resume and all that. Um, but one woman did answer and she responded saying, hi, Julia, can you call me? And she put my phone, uh, her phone number. Whoa. And, <laughs> so I obviously, I had to wait a few minutes. It wouldn't seem too desperate. And then I called her up and um, she told me that, I remember she said, she's like, you know, I never check my LinkedIn. She's like, this is such a coincidence that I happened to check my LinkedIn after so long on the day that you messaged me. And she said, I'm actually talking to an entrepreneur, business guy who has this idea for a startup. Um, she was the director of one of the big medical weight loss centers in Boston at one of the hospitals here. Um, and she was talking to him about basically turning uh, turning this into like a telehealth medical weight loss program that's app-based where you, we could see patients all throughout the country. Um, and it's funny because now it seems so normal to have like a remote company, but at the time it was even the thought of like sitting at home on a computer and talking to patients through a screen, like I actually was very hesitant about that. Because really quickly, for time, just for like the time frame, when when was this that you were having this conversation? Yeah, this was 2019, 2019. Okay. So pre-COVID. Yeah. Pre-COVID, right. Pre-COVID, exactly. So, but it sounded interesting. And, and she said, basically... Um, I, I'm going to put you in touch with him, the entrepreneur. Um, he's started other other companies in the healthcare space, kind of like health tech startups before. 
Um, but basically we, we're looking for someone to help us like start, like, you know, how, how do we develop a medical weight loss program? So she put me in touch with him and, um, he he was excited about it, but it's not like he right away said, okay, yes, come join us. Um, he, to this day is a tough boss. (laughs) So he basically gave me a project and he said, put together a vision of what the program would look like. Um, and he and he wanted to meet in person. And the timing I remember was very tight because we were actually moving a few days later. We were driving a U-Haul from St. Louis to Boston for like 20 hours. And the day that we um, or the day after we got to Boston was the day he said, OK, let's meet because I was only there for one day and then I was going back to St. Louis. Um, and so literally as we're driving the U-Haul, I'm like typing away, trying to plan this presentation. <laughs> Um, and we met at a Starbucks. It was him. It was this um, physician and me. And I was intimidated. But like I was saying before, I remembered that this is what I do. This is my expertise. Uh, he He's a brilliant entrepreneur. He, you know, he's amazing at what he does, but he doesn't know nutrition, right? He doesn't know how to build a medical weight loss program. He'd never done it before. And I had. So I, I gave this presentation. It went well. Um, but what's so crazy about the story is, so so it went well, he he offered me the job, sent over the contract. Um, and the day that I was supposed to sign the contract, I got a call from him and he said, I have some bad news. The med- the person who was supposed to be the medical director, the woman dropped out. She's no longer part of it. Oh. And that was really scary for me because I already was taking such a, you know, this, uh, this was nothing I'd ever done before. Like this was such a risk joining a company like this. And then to think that, you know, someone already has dropped out, like that can't be a good sign. But um, he actually encouraged me to talk to her and she texted me and said, let's talk. And we got on the phone together and she was very positive about it and said that she would still encourage me to do it. It didn't work out for her financially, but she thought it was such a great idea. And she, you know, she said she really trusts this guy and she she would encourage me to do it. So I, I sort of decided, like, if this fails, that I'm in the same spot where I am right now anyway, just looking for a job. So I decided to try. And also at the time, my husband was starting residency. So finally, we were going to have two salaries. So I think I also felt like a little bit less pressure if it failed. So, so that's kind of how it started. Um, you know, we, when I started, it was me and, and Evan Richardson, who's the uh, founder and CEO of Form. He didn't have an office originally, but he figured, and I'm glad he did, that it would be weird for me to go to his house. <laughs> so <laughs> we got an office and I never worked in a corporate setting before. It felt yeah. so fake and businessy to me. You know, because I'd only worked in hospitals. And so I remember the first day he said, okay, uh, create your 100-day plan. And it was so out of my comfort zone. And I would stress about it every morning. But it was such a growth opportunity for me. It was really lucky, I think, looking back, that I had all of this one-on-one time with such a brilliant CEO entrepreneur. I would ask a lot of questions about the business and he would teach me, he would get out the whiteboard and start drawing things. And he was really excited to be teaching me. So that's kind of how it all got started. I think probably within honestly the first week he said, okay, like get some beta testers and go like, let's try it. Let's see what people think. Let's start getting feedback, which was terrifying to me. I didn't feel ready. You know, I, I had all these ideas, but uh, he has always just pushed to to start, to try, and then to 
you know, make updates and, and make things better over time. And again, this is where it was helpful that I have this past experience because I actually had all of these patients that um, I asked, do you want to be beta testers for us for free and start, start the program for feedback? And he would meet with the patients afterwards and get feedback from them. And over time we refined and that's how we, that's how we built the company basically. Amazing. And I think that what I love most about this, about your story and how you got started, and it's so relevant, especially today where the job market is just like bananas. Um, it's also a good reminder for myself that like, it really only takes one, it takes one person, one response, like there, it might, it might take you a lot of tries, but at the end of the day, like your, whatever is next for you, it's literally like one person seeing your message, seeing your resume, seeing your application yes. and being like, yes, I want, I believe that like this could be a good fit. And so I love yes. that. Like, honestly, that's like a little inspiration that I need for myself today in this moment. And I'm sure a lot of people probably feel the same way. Um, and it's just, it was so smart of you to have the foresight at the time to be like, okay, job applications aren't going to be like the way that I get what's next for me. Like how else can I get creative? So I love that you like really took that upon yourself and just like went out, like sort of thought out of the box a little bit about how you were going to be able to take that next step. So I think like from, so now you've like been at Form Health for a while, I guess like yes, looking been, at, yep. What were you, how long have you been? No, I, I've been here for, for four years now, which is pretty crazy. Wow. Yeah. So I guess yeah. looking, looking back, what what would you say was like something that you're most proud of from the last four years? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I mentioned that he he was my my boss, the CEO was not easy on me. <laughs> um, he, I think he valued me for for coming in with the skills that I did, but he had no reason to to trust me necessarily. Um, and so I really feel like it took time to build his trust in me. I remember yeah. when we hired our first dietitian, we finally had enough patients that we needed another dietitian. I wasn't going to do all the counseling. We hired our first dietitian. And even though I, along with the, the chief medical officer, the two of us hired um, our, our next dietitian, he would not let me be her direct manager because from from his end he felt like I needed to prove that it was something that I was good at and he had no reason to think that it was something that I was good at he didn't know and so that was really hard for me and I really pushed back and I, I felt like I I started from the beginning like I hired her I built this like it was such a um, slap in the face to not be able to uh, have her as my direct report and manager but I, I really worked to gain his trust um, I, I basically had to prove uh, that even when I wasn't her direct manager, that I have the skills to do it. And starting with our third dietitian, the, the next one that we hired after her, I was given that role. And it's amazing to to look back that now we have 19 dietitians. Wow. We are hiring basically every month now. We have like over the next two months, we have four actually, yeah, four more dietitians starting. So wow. things are growing really quickly now. And I started out my title when I first started with the company was lead dietitian. Now I'm the director of nutrition, but that took three years. It was something, again, I really had to work for and constantly bring up and push for like nothing, nothing came easy. But now we have 
dietitian to our managers and they all have their direct reports and then the managers report to me. So I, mm-hmm. I've come a long way and I've, I've pushed really hard for it, but it's something I feel very proud of. You should. That is, that's really incredible. And I think that, I think that the experience of feeling like you deserve something or, or even earn something at work is like such a common feeling. And and I know I felt this before where you work so hard for something and there's an opportunity to to move to the next step and you're told by somebody that like, no, you're not quite ready. And that can be that can be really tough feedback to receive. And it's super impressive yeah. that it sounds to me like you took that feedback and really used it to propel you forward instead of having it be something that holds you back. And I feel like there's a lot of people out there who um who probably like have either had or are currently having a similar experience. So I guess like when you got that news, like what would you say you would give as advice to somebody who's maybe going through something similar that wants to like prepare themselves to have a conversation with their manager about up leveling their role? Um, Like how would you, what is some advice you would give to someone to like help them prepare for that conversation? Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I listen to a ton of podcasts on the matter. And um, I, I mean, I'm someone the way that I work, I don't know if everyone's brains work like this, but I wrote it all out. I, you know, I really wanted to make sure I had all of the points that I wanted to say. Um, I wrote up a, a more concise document, which I sent over to the CEO and the chief medical officer um, a few days before we were meeting. So I asked them for a meeting. I said, I'd love to discuss growth and, and, um, my salary, something like that. And um, I asked if they could review that in advance. I, I basically wrote out all of the things that I've done for the company. I did market research. And um, I, I, I remember I, at the time, I was like kind of sort of like running the clinic in addition to all of the other work that I was doing. So I looked up salaries for like practice managers and, you know, all of these like HR roles, like all of these other things that I was doing that wasn't just being a dietitian. And I put the salaries for that. And um, I basically had this written out argument of why I feel I uh, deserve a 25% raise. Um, And I went on a walk the night before with my husband and we sort of role played um, and he asked me tough questions and was pretending to be my boss. And um, it. it was uncomfortable. It was awkward, but we did it until, you know, I, I felt good about it. And actually the meeting didn't go great, to be honest. Like I felt so prepared and I felt really confident, but then he's really tough. Like he is not going to just give more money because you you have a whole nice speech and put together a nice document. Um, they really pushed back and they did give me some uh, salary increase, but my title didn't change. He still felt like I was too new at it. And it, th- by this time, it was already COVID. So it was through Zoom. And I remember I kept saying to myself, like, Julia, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't cry. Because, you know, it's it, these things are really hard. I really, really, you know, worked hard for this moment. And I felt like I wasn't getting the thing that I pushed so hard for. And that was really discouraging. And it was the very last few seconds of the meeting that I remember my eyes started tearing up. And so I just stopped talking basically. And, um, you know, at the end, I think it was obvious to them. Like I just said one word, like, okay, thank you. (laughs) And then hung up. But again, like, like what you were talking about with sort of letting it propel me forward, I I knew I just had to prove it. Like I, I felt discouraged, but I didn't feel like this was a forever no. And they still gave me some salary increase. I felt like 
now the good thing about all of this is now they see that I'm someone who will continue to fight for it. Like now, yeah. even if inside I was embarrassed and felt awkward to them, like from the outside, they see that like, I'm not someone who is just going to give into, you know, a, a smaller salary or, or not push for the, the raise or the promotion that I want. So I felt like that was a win. And it, in my mind, like they viewed me differently after that day. And I think mm -hmm. that just thinking that they were thinking of me differently helped, yeah. you know, propel me forwards too. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I think that first of all, it's, it's definitely not easy to have those kind of conversations. I've been on both ends of them, both as a manager who's like receiving those and as the person who's asking. And I think that it sounds to me like you did all the right things with like putting, even just like starting by putting the calendar invite on someone's calendar, like now you have to prepare, right? And then like planning out with market research and by keeping a list of like all the things that you've done and thinking outside of like what your actual role is, but even beyond that, like what are the other things that you're doing on top of it? Like those are, those are all so smart. And then the role playing is genius. Like I think that one reason why a lot of people don't have these conversations is because they're just nervous about like getting the words out. So it sounds like yeah. you did, you did all the right things. And then one thing that I love that you said that I would really encourage other people to really think about is by being somebody who has these conversations, first of all, the more you have them, the more comfortable you come up, you become having them. But then the second piece, like you mentioned is like, now your boss and the people around you know that you know what you're worth and know that you're going to continue to have those conversations. And so you are just exponentially more likely to get what you want at some point, right? Even if it's not today. So I think that that's yes. something that everyone should be thinking about and everyone should take away. And I always encourage people who I talk to about um, their careers and their career paths. It's like, if you don't ask, if you ask, and the worst thing that happens is they say no. And if you don't ask, right. then you're never going to get there. Right. So I think exactly. that what you said is so smart and so important. Um, and I guess looking forward, what is something that you're really excited about, whether it's your career, the company, what's next for you? Like, what's something that you're just really looking forward to that's coming up? Yeah, I am really excited uh, to see where we continue to grow with the company. Uh, we, I mean, we now see patients in all 50 states. We, the company now is probably about 70 people or so. Wow. Uh, we take almost all insurance plans for patients to join. Um, wow. And we're in talks now with some employers and some pharmaceutical companies talking about partnering with them so that wow. we can continue to expand our reach. So I'm just excited for sort of seeing it turn into like a bigger and bigger thing and feeling like I can really make that impact that I, that I, made on a smaller level in St. Louis. And I, I feel like I'm making that impact now to thousands and thousands and hopefully tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of people around the world. Absolutely. And the one last question that I have for you is if you were to look back and give your 20 year old self a piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Yeah. Oh. I think, you know, I feel like we often try to avoid putting ourselves in situations that feel uncomfortable, you know, that feel beyond our abilities, out of our comfort zones.
But I guess looking back, I just remember how nervous and anxious and uncomfortable I felt going into work every single day when it was just me and the CEO. I very clearly remember feeling like I was faking it and had imposter syndrome and I had to do it anyway. Like I didn't really have a choice. So I pushed through it, but I look back and recognize now that those were really the days that I grew the most. And it's always kind of in those tension moments that we really have the ability to grow the most. And it's funny, I, I use this analogy with my patients, my, my patients who I'm helping work on weight loss with, where I oftentimes if they're kind of in a, in a moment where they're feeling discouraged or feeling like things are hard, I'll say it's like building muscle. If you lift weights 10 times and for all 10 of those times, it doesn't hurt. And then you get to the 11th lift and all of a sudden it starts burning like if that's the time that you choose to give up, you don't gain any muscle, right? Mm. So I constantly try to remind myself that it's when feel, things really start to feel hard, that's a sign that we shouldn't slow down, you know, we're not doing something wrong. That's a sign that it's actually, you know, the exact sign that we're doing something right and that we should keep going. I love that. And honestly, like this is exactly why I wanted to start this podcast in the first place, because like I knew that these conversations were going to be inspiring for me. And honestly, even if nobody else listens, to this, <laughs> I, I feel like I've learned so much. And like, even that piece of advice is just so relevant for, for me right now. And I'm sure that it will resonate with a lot of other people too. It's like, don't stop when the going gets tough, right? Like those are the moments when you have those opportunities to really grow and thrive. So Thank you so much, Julia, for coming on and chatting with me for the last 45 minutes. It really means a lot. Your story is incredible. The work that you're doing is literally changing people's lives. So thank um, you so much. And Aliza, I just so admire the work that you're doing in this space. Like I said, I love listening to career podcasts and, you know, in, in helping to inspire people to push in their career and continue to really push to grow and not settle. So yeah. thank you for, for helping to spread the message along, especially as women. I feel like we need more and more support. So this is amazing. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much. And we'll see you next week, listeners. Bye.